Keep a watchful eye on those you allow on your journey. Anyone can appear to be the perfect passenger, like a lion appears to be the perfect predator. Those that didn't plan the trip can worry less about how the destination is reached. Those that didn't believe in the voyage will always want you to return for them. The scenic route may mesmerize its traveler, but the roads less traveled will never be forgotten. Wells will run dry and valleys will go stale, but the path must be steadfastly followed. Hold on to the voices that told you no, you can't, you won't. Hold on to the fear that told you stop, wait, you shouldn't. Those ahead of you will say you're not welcome and you never will be. Those with you will turn away or turn back. They will doubt finishing the journey with you. Those in need will offer what they have, but understand, destinations determine loyalty. Blaze your own trail and stick to it. Be wary of hitchhikers by Dermaine Chambers Walker. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Composition Podcast, episode 13. It is your host, Dermaine, of course, as always. Um, that opening poem there was a poem that I wrote about two years ago, but I decided to open up this episode with it because it's one of the poems I shared at my good friend's open mic event. Um, her name is Ife Aldine. Um, I've read, I read one of her poems on an earlier episode. I'm not sure which one, but she had this open mic event at a place called Dwell DC. Um, you can look them up on Instagram at Dwell DC, D-W-E-L-L-D-C. And yes, she had an open mic there. A lot of different creatives, a lot of different poets that I'm meeting for the first time. Actually from all over, not even just the DMV area. There was a few poets from out of state that were there. That was pretty cool. Um, and I shared that poem and another poem, and I did like a little joke set. It was pretty cool. Um, that was April 29th. I really enjoyed the experience sharing my poetry. That was my first time going in front of a, a nice-sized group of people and just openly reading my poems like that. And I, I really enjoyed it. So I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope if you are creative, if you are a poet or a writer in any type of way, that you're expressing yourself through your art and that you're sharing your art. Um, if it's a private thing, I understand that too, but it's really important to be motivated and to get, motiv get motivated by the people that are around you. Like Just having that type of energy, that bouncing off each other energy, I never thought that I would have enjoyed it how I did, but it was it was pretty dope. So again, shout out to Ife, shout out to all the poets that I met that day. Um, you know who you are. Uh, again, the Instagram for the location we were at was Dwell DC, and my friend's Instagram is at Ife the Artist. That's I F E the Artist. For sure, go look her up. She's having more events in the area. Uh, every few weeks, honestly, she's having something. So for sure, go check her out. Tap in with her. Um, pop culture this week. There's a lot of shit we could talk about. Um, I have a few subjects in particular. The first being the Doctor Strange movie. Um, 
everybody that knows me knows I'm a huge Batman fan, so I'm forced to be a fucking DC fan. And unfortunately, that means I'm forced to watch these terrible-ass movies like that uh, Robert Pattinson Batman movie. I've seen it a few more times, honestly. I watched it twice. And because it's so beautifully cinematically, because it's so beautiful cinematically, it's not as terrible as when I first saw it. The first time I saw it, it was like 1 o'clock in the morning, really late at night, plus it was like a fucking four-hour movie. It was terrible. But it's not as bad. Instead of it being a 5 out of 10, I'll give it a a 6.5 out of 10 now. But anyways, the Doctor Strange movie, I can honestly say, is one of my favorite Marvel movies in recent years. Um, My favorite one since uh, Civil War, honestly. I really respect how Marvel is starting to go out on the edge or be a little bit edgier with their uh, violence in their movies. This one was definitely a step up in that direction. Um, Doctor Strange is just one of my favorite heroes. I don't know why. But yeah, this movie was really, really dope. A lot of really cool Easter eggs. Um, A lot of connections to the the recent Marvel shows. I thought that was pretty dope. Uh, spoiler spoiler alert, fuck you if you haven't seen it yet. Um, but yeah, it was a decent movie. It wasn't super duper uber long. I can definitely appreciate that about Marvel movies. They've scaled back and make it fucking three-hour movies. So yeah, um, go check out the Doctor Strange movie if you haven't already. Great movie. I really enjoyed it. And hopefully we can get ourselves together over at uh, DC. A few freaking... Like a few weeks or a few weeks to a few months ago, they have reported that like all the people in DC were being reviewed and might be fired, and then I just don't ever remember remember hearing anything after that. So hopefully we'll get a follow up with that. Um, aside from that, Kendrick Lamar has announced his return after five long years. Um, he's been posting like little cryptic things to the PG Lang website, but now he's finally announced. His fifth and final album under TDE, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Um, Huge Kendrick Lamar fan, fucking ever since Section 80. Really overly dedicated, but I think I found Section 80 first and I went back. But ever since then, I've been one of the biggest fucking Kendrick Lamar stands, supporters, whatever the fuck, the highest fucking fandom praise you can get. I've been there with it since then. Like, I remember... I honestly, vaguely remember telling people this was going to be the best rapper in the world. The best rapper in the world. And I honestly believe he's shown improved. So I'm, I'm ready for the album. I'm excited for it. Um, hopefully, he doesn't just completely disappear off the face of the fucking earth after this. But hey, man, even if he does, I'm excited for it. I hope he he delivers on this one. Um, I don't really care too much about first week sales numbers or anything. It's Kendrick Lamar, so... What really do we expect to happen with that? I'm sure it's going to do 250, 300. Who cares? Um, shout out to Kendrick Lamar for making this fucking comeback. Can't wait for that. I feel like hip hop is definitely in a good state. Um, of course, drill is the dominant in hip hop right now. But it's a, as far as popularity goes. But if you are into lyrical hip hop still, if you're into boom bap hip hop still it's thriving it's really really thriving um of course you have Griselda killing shit 
fucking Action Bronson just dropped another album. Jack Carlo's album, eh, it's it's hated by a lot of people, but he's one of the fucking best rappers in the game right now, honestly. So yeah, shout out to fucking lyricism and hip hop, fucking well thriving. Uh, and also, I want to give a shout out to my little brother, Janot the God, uh, Joshua. He just graduated from a fucking four year university. <laughs> Congratulations to the kid. Um, recently graduated Johnston and Wales University up in Rhode Island. Um, I'm not sure what his specific major was, but I know it involves food, culinary something or another. But yeah, huge shout out to him again for graduating. I drove up there while already in the middle of a trip to New York. Of course, I had to go see my boy walk across the stage. So I made the trip headed up from New York through Connecticut to Rhode Island. And I can honestly say fucking Rhode Island is the coldest state I've ever been to. And my family's from Chicago. They live in Chicago. But that shit was ridiculous. Um, it was just like a, a dry coldness I wasn't used to. That shit was a huge culture shock. Every building, we, every place we went into had the freaking AC all the way up as if it's not freezing cold outside. I even asked the guy in the restaurant we went into after the ceremony. I'm, I can't remember the name of it. Um, damn, what? Fuck. But I asked the guy at the, at the host stand, I'm like, um, yeah, so like, is it usually this cold? Like, do you guys just keep the AC on like this? And he was like, uh, what do you mean? And I'm just like, yeah, never mind. Like, you don't even realize that it's freezing cold. So that's just the thing up there. But, um, yeah, huge shout out to my boy for graduating. Um, right now he's at his... He's, he's planning for his internship in Georgia. So, again, huge shout-out to him. And then he's also making music still. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have him as my fucking my music spotlight. Shout-out to you, boy. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of other things I could talk about. But you know what? Let's get into this book. It's called At Night, All Blood is Black. Um, shout out again to my friend Mel for suggesting this book to me. It was originally published in 2018 by a gentleman by the name of David Diop. He's the original writer. And it was translated in 2020 by a woman by the name of, sorry if I'm saying this right, Anna Moskayavis. Uh, with her, he ended up winning the International Booker Prize in 2021. And they split the money. And then he also won the Los Angeles Times Fiction Book Prize in 2020. Uh, like I said, he is originally from Paris, France. He was from Paris, France. He was born there in 1966 to a French mother and a Singalese father. In 1998, he became a lecturer in literature at the University of Pau in the Adore region, specializing in 18th century French literature and in African French literature. In 2009, he was appointed to head of a research group on the representation of Africa and Africans in 17th and 18th century European literature. He received his habituation in 2014. He now heads the Arts, Languages, and Literature Department at the university, and he still lives in Powell today. So a huge shout out to David Diop. For this book, um, the original inspiration behind the book was his grandfather who served in the French army, but when he came home after his service, he never spoke to his wife or his family about his, his years in the, in the army. So that inspired Diop 
to go uh, do as much research as he can to learn about the uh, Senegalese warriors that fought that fought in the French army. And years later, we have this book. Um, I also want to say that this book cover is actually one of the best book covers I've ever seen. It doesn't credit an artist. Um, I have the digital copy. It's on my phone, so it doesn't really give a credit to an artist. I guess I could have looked that up, though. But, um, yeah, this is one of the best fucking book covers I've ever seen. It could be a book cover, a, a freaking really dope album cover, or a fucking movie poster. Shout out to whoever designed this. So, the book is about a character named Alpha, and it says it's pronounced this way in the audiobook version. In DIA, um, me being Americanized, I would have always pronounced that name Njai, but in the audiobook version, it's pronounced Alpha and DIA. So that's where we're going to go with. Uh, in the book, this main character, Alpha, he pretty much slips into an extreme madness after accepting responsibility or accepting blame for his good childhood friend's death in the war. They're sent off to war to fight in this army. Um, and after his friend is, is brutally murdered and he's, he's dealing with this trauma of not honoring his friend, how his friend wants to be honored right at the time of his death, he goes into complete madness and starts to slaughter the, the other enemy side to a point where his own troop mates, his own, his own army is questioning his sanity and if they want to serve next to him. They believe he's now a, a bad omen and they want him away from him. So that's pretty much the the premise of the book. A lot goes on in the book, and yeah, this is definitely, uh, I want to say, yeah, definitely the most gruesome book I've ever read up to this point. So I want to say shout out to David Diop for uh, throwing, like, including that that aspect of, of the war in the book. And I want to say shout out to him for being able to humanize the character in a way that was unique. Although as the book progresses, he becomes more and more unhinged, he's still able to reach a level of introspection and self-reflection that I don't think I would have been able to reach if I was in a war. I just saw my best friend's head blown off and everybody's dying around me and I'm stuck in a trench to survive. For him to still see like what's making him tick or for him to still understand the things about himself that aren't good that are like essentially maddening I thought was really dope the author Mr. Diop also was able to help me empathize really with um, soldiers or these people that might be put in these situations um, there's one thing like one sentence I highlighted that I that really resonated with me he says as soon as the fighting ends we're to file away our rage our pain and our fury Pain is tolerated. We can bring our we can bring our pain home on the condition that we keep it to ourselves. And I think that sentence specifically really does sum up a lot of what the character, a lot of what the main character goes through. He's he's seeing a lot. Of course, like everyone is for the first time, and everybody's just dealing with it however they're dealing dealing with it. And it's forcing them to become people that they're not. And that's that's reality. 
Um, every day we wake up and we go out into this world and we face things that transform us in one way or another into different people. And the only thing that we have like to show for it is how we handle it, how we bottle it up, and how we move on. And, and that's actually a terrifying thing to think about. No matter what, you're just told somebody has it worse and, and you just have to deal with it. So um, whenever you can, you know, at least try to hear the stories of other people and empathize with them as best as you can. And this book really helped me do that, although the characters are fictional and this main character, Alpha, is fictional. The shit was, it was crushing, the shit he was, he was going through and the things he kept having to relive, not even by choice, but really just by, by, by reality of having gone through it. So anybody that's gone through anything out, anything at all out there, try to find somebody to either share with or empathize with because that's really all you have is others that you can share your experiences with and go through your experiences with. Is that really what life is? So my excerpt for today is going to be chapter 11. It's going to be pages 48 through 51. Um, and trigger warning, it's a really gruesome chapter, so... If violence at all doesn't sit well with you, I'd say skip this next uh, seven minutes. But yeah, if you have the book, come on and read with the kid, pages 48 through 51. But God's truth, that first severed hand brought no luck to Jean-Baptiste. Jean-Baptiste didn't stay my friend for long. Not because we stopped liking each other, but because John Baptiste died. He died a very, very ugly death. He died with my enemy hand attached to his helmet. John Baptiste liked to joke, to play the idiot too much. There are limits. It isn't good to play with the hand of the blue-eyed enemy in front of enemies with blue eyes doubled by binoculars. John Baptiste shouldn't have provoked them. He shouldn't have made fun of them. The enemies from the other side resented him. They didn't like seeing the friend's hand stuck to the point of a Rosalie bayonet. They were sick and tired of watching it wave in the sky above our trench. God's truth, they had enough of John Baptiste's antics. Like when he would cry out at the top of his lungs with their friend's hand on the end of his bayonet. Filthy krauts, filthy krauts. It was as if John Baptiste had gone mad, and I knew, I understood why. John Baptiste had become a provocateur. John Baptiste had been trying to draw the attention of the blue-eyed enemies behind their binoculars ever since he received a certain perfumed letter. I knew, I understood, when I saw his face as he read that letter. John Baptiste's face was alive with laughter and light before he, before he opened the perfume letter. When he finished reading the perfume letter, John Baptiste's face had become gray. No more light. Only the laugh remained. But his laugh was no longer a laugh of happiness. His laugh had become the laugh of misery. A laugh that was like tears. An unpleasant laugh. A false laugh. After the perfumed letter, 
John Baptiste helped himself to my first enemy hand so he could make crude gestures at the enemy on the other side. John Baptiste made asses of them by waving it in the sky above our trench, stuck on the end of his rifles rosily, the enemy hand whose middle finger he had raised. He'd yell, up your ass, Krauts, go fuck yourselves, shaking his rifle so, so that the enemy's matching blue eyes would be sure to receive his message, so that there was no way his middle finger would go unnoticed. Captain Armand told him to stop, to act out like John Baptiste wasn't good for anyone. John Baptiste might as well be setting fires inside the trench. His insults had the power of smoke, the power to help the enemy from the other side adjust their aim. It was as if he had given himself over to the enemy. There was no point in dying if it wasn't at the captain's command. God's truth, I knew. I understood, as did the captain and the others, that John Baptiste wanted to die, to torment the blue-eyed enemies and become their target. So, one morning after our captain whistled for the attack, when we leapt streaking from the belly of the earth, the blue-eyed enemies didn't fire immediately. The blue-eyed enemies waited 20 breaths before firing on us, the time it took to identify John Baptiste. God's truth, to identify him, at least 20 breaths. I know, I understood, we all understood why they waited before firing on us. The blue-eyed enemies, the captain said, held a grudge against John Baptiste. God's truth, they'd had enough of hearing him shout, up yours, Krauts, with their friend's hand stuck to the end of a Roselli bayonet waving in the sky above our trench. The enemies on the other side were intent on killing John Baptiste the next time the French attacked. They said to themselves, we're going to kill that one in a particularly disgusting way to set an example. And that idiot John Baptiste, who'd made it clear that he wanted to die at any cost, did all he could to facilitate the task. He attached the enemy hand to the front of his helmet and as it continued to rot, he wrapped it in gauze. He turbaned it, as the captain said, in white gauze, one finger at a time. And John Baptiste did a very good job because you could see it very clearly, the hand attached to the front of his helmet, its middle finger up in the air, the, uh, the others folded down. The enemies with matching blue eyes didn't have a hard time identifying him. They had binoculars. In their binoculars, they saw a white spot on the top of a slender soldier's helmet. That must have taken five breaths. They adjusted their binoculars, and they saw the small white spot was giving them the finger. Five more halting breaths. But to perfect their aim must have taken longer. Ten slow breaths, at least. Because they were so angry at John Baptiste for mocking them with their friend's hand. But they were ready. As soon as they saw him in their cannon scope, 20 breaths after our captain's whistle, they must have been happy, the enemies on the other side. And they must have been very, very happy when, through their binoculars, they saw John Baptiste's head fly off. His head, his helmet, and the enemy hand he had attached to it, pulverized. 
That must have made them so happy, the enemies with their matching blue eyes. To see their dishonor pulverized along with the culprit's head. God's truth, they must have offered tobacco to whoever pulled off such a beautiful feat. As soon as our attack was over, they must have slapped him on the shoulder, passed him a drink. They must have applauded him for his perfect shot. They might even have written a song in his honor. God's truth, it might have been this song in his honor that I heard rise from their trench, the evening of the attack in which John Baptiste died, the evening for the fourth time I severed the hand of an enemy from the other side. After placing the insides of his body outside, in the heart of a la terre a person, no man's land, as the captain said. All right, so that's it for my excerpt from this book. But as you can see, like I said, it's extremely gruesome. This is actually, this is actually <laughs> really nothing in the scope of what goes on in this, in this book. Like I said, it opens up with extreme action, guts everywhere and shit. So, um, yeah, it definitely puts you in the heart of the war. It takes you there. It's not just a book about a war. It's the war. Pretty dope. Um, and again, the main character, Alpha, uh, how do I say it? In DIA, yes. Um, this chapter doesn't really explain it, but he, he's going freaking mad. He's chopping off hands and collecting the hands, preserving the hands, hiding the hands. It's not just like he's just chopping them off and leave, leaving them there. Like the book says, um, it's not like he's just engaged in temporary madness. He's holding this madness with him. And after a while, especially after the death of John Baptiste here, all of the other soldiers and the captains or whatever, they see him in this certain light. They see him as a bad entity now and they want to keep him away as far as possible. Um, some of that is his own doing, of course. But then how much of it really is, is, it, is his own doing if he's forced to, to cope with it somehow. Even in this chapter where it talks about uh, John Baptiste transitioning from being this light to all of a sudden carrying this darkness, which has pretty much influenced him to walk into his death. Like, but that was how he coped with whatever was in that letter. Because he didn't feel like he had somebody he could empathize with about whatever the information was that he got. He just wanted to go out and, and shit, on the, shit on the enemy. And that essentially led to him being killed. Um, and like I said, that is the catalyst for really when all the other soldiers turned their back on Alpha. They all said, you know what, I don't even want to look at him. I don't want to be around him. He's 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 evil. And it's because he started to collect these hands. And once John Baptiste engaged in in carrying the hands too, you saw what happened to him. Yeah, a really dope chapter. Really, really deep book. Yeah, go check it out. Um the ending of the book for me kind of was confusing the author started to write less about the realities of the what the character was going through and more about his interpersonal connection with uh his friend that died at the beginning of the book spoiler alert but um the the author started to write pretty much in dualistic terms between these two characters and 
and then it just ends. And for it to have started where it started, I mean, I guess I understand it, but yeah, it kind of was a little, a little bit of a somber ending for me. Definitely a great book, though. Huge, huge suggestion. Thank you again for Mel for uh, bringing it to my attention. I really enjoyed it. And the book is like, I want to say the audio book is like 124 pages. It's a really easy read. You can finish it in one sitting, honestly. Um, I didn't say a publisher. Let me get the publisher. Uh, again, the book is called At Night, All Blood is Black by David Diop. Translated from French by Anna Moskayavics. Moskayavakis. Moskavis. I'm sorry, I butchered that. Um, but the book comes from Farrer, Strauss, and Garot, New York. Again, huge shout out to all of those people I just mentioned. Go get the book. And for Music Spotlight today, I am going to do... Actually, now that I'm looking at this book cover, I said earlier that it doesn't say who designed the book cover, but it actually does show in the corner. Uh, Picador, I believe, is the name of the artist or designer. P-I-C-A-D-O-R. I just now am for the first time seeing that on the side of the cover. That's how dope it is. It's kind of like hitting in there. But uh, shout out to Picador. So again, my music spotlight for today is going to be a song from my good brother, Jano the God. From Prince George's County, Maryland, Landover, Maryland, Palmer Park, Ray Leonard, 2000, baby. Literally and uh, metaphysically speaking, um, he understands that. Um, I fucking love this kid. There's not enough I can say about this kid. Everything I've gone through this kid has gone through um so it's really a different level of understanding that we have with everything like it's crazy i could really explain it to you but like we're, we're similar in so many ways that that really is like my brother like anything i have in this life he's gonna have so huge shout out to that kid um like i said just graduated from johnson and wales university fucking proud of him did something that I myself didn't even do in finishing a four-year university. So respect to him and everybody that graduated um, this uh, semester, this year, the last few fucking years. If you're still in school, making it through school with everything that's going on in this world, huge shout out to you, yo. So I've been trying to get this kid to fucking rap forever. I keep calling him a kid because like I'm really proud of him. Like the fact that he just graduated college man he's really a man he really really is and like watching him grow up is hard for me it's crazy I'm getting emotional but um i've been trying to get this motherfucker to rap for the better part of forever we have a lot of songs in the tuck a lot of shit that might get released one day might not who knows but um i just always want to see him work on his craft because i tell this story a lot the first time i've ever seen him rap first time i ever knew he could rap I took him to the studio with me. I was working on a song. I told him, you know, he was like, I got a verse for you. I got a verse for you. I'm like, all right, we're going to go to the studio. I want to hear the verse. He goes into the booth to record the verse. One take. It's the fastest fucking verse in the world. It's like some Eminem shit. And he did that shit in one take. It's like a minute and 30 straight. 
of just all bars, like him jumping in and out of flows. And this was my first time ever hearing him rap. I actually cried. That shit was amazing. Um, I because like I said, I'd never heard him rap before. Didn't know he could rap, and he just bust his verse out of nowhere. And it was fucking ridiculous. And for that, to, for this to be something I've always like strived for and wanted to do, to have somebody finally that's like somebody I know and trust be able to fucking just do it at the drop of a dime and naturally be talented at it. It was mind blowing for me. So long story short, this track I'm going to play for you is an unreleased song. Um, something that we recorded in New York. And this might be on the upcoming project that I have working. Something I got brewing. I'm not going to say too much. But uh, this song is completely inspired by our trip. My first time in New York, honestly. Like my first time solo dolo being able to enjoy New York. And he drove down from Rhode Island when he was in school, and we made fucking magic. So I hope you enjoy it. The song is called Rawest. Uh, I wish I had the name of the guys we fucking, fucking recorded with. Um, after the song, I'll plug the guy, one of the guys I recorded with. I know I got his, uh, ah, Damier, I believe. Hold on, let me find it on Instagram. Give me two seconds. Loading, loading, loading. Da-da, da-da. Yeah, his Instagram is at produced by Damier. That's gonna be produced P R O D B Y D A M I E R. This was one of the engineers that uh, recorded the song or facilitated the whole thing actually and helped record the song. And um, I hope you enjoy it. Um, the book for next week is gonna be Neville Shoots on the Beach. Uh, it's a fucking American classic, so I've been told. It's another suggestion by uh, one of my co-workers. Apparently, it's a really terrifying book, kind of like how this one was for me. And go get that book so we can read it for uh, our final book of the month. And yeah, let's get into this song. Again, it's called Rawest. Make sure you follow on Instagram. Make sure you subscribe at Dermain.com, Twitter. All of that shit. If you want to find it, it's out there. I'm not even going to do too much plugging, all right? So, again, shout out to my boy, Jano, for helping me make this song. And hopefully you'll hear it on the album later this year. If not, here it is. Girl, when that rain song drop, pick up When I need good head, I don't need good luck Take a ride in the whip, woo shit, girl Wait till a nigga get home, try and play with my nuts Like, ah, ah, ah She be trying to come around the hood like Baby, do you suck yo nigga this good? Know a nigga like this is rare You can look my way, but baby, don't stare me Fucking with a double O, gigolo Let your nigga know, feed home, girl If she coming out them dinner clothes like that, say you need a nigga bank, right? Dumb bitch, let me show you how to act right. Slop top, you can meet me in the drop top. All night, you was fucking with a nigga, though. Don't front, I always thought you was a money, honey. But you ain't never come around until it's money funny. But I be down to skin too, shit, I ain't a dummy. Jazz sounds so sweet till your phone ring, 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 ring. Know your man going insane, insane, insane. Cause why she suck me with her rain hand, man, damn. On that show, I'm kicking her out. If he asks me about it, I'm saying no doubt. He want smoke about that, then pull up where I'm at. When I done this, that nigga, she gon' make it clap, clap, clap. 
Damn man, she vicious. Damn, damn man, she vicious for real. And my willy really get up in it. Don't blame me, my nigga. This just how I get it. She know that she get what she need if she keep it discreet. She get what she want, long as she don't flaunt. She know that she get what she need if she keep it discreet. She know she get whatever she want, long as she don't flaunt. She say I am the raw, and still I cannot fuck a raw. Never tell what you see, don't believe what you saw. Yes, I am the one and only baby. What the fuck you thought? Hit my line when you need it. Just make sure you don't get caught. Your nigga gon' be trippin', don't be sloppy, girl. That's law. If he asks who I am, tell him, damn, girl, that's all. She say I am the raw, and still I cannot fuck a raw. Never tell what you see. Yeah, look. Don't think about me every time I go missing I know every time you do, your dude can feel the difference I know you miss our chemistry and how we switch positions Those intimate feelings and some shit I will not mention Word to lovers, watch your back every time you choose to creep And like a shareholder, watch the company you keep Man, she want me to stay, but I did not bring no heat Take no chances, so I'm gone once I beat I'm She sorry. know that she get what she need if she keep it discreet. She get what she want, long as she don't flaunt. She know that she get what she need if she keep it discreet. She know she get whatever she want, long as she don't flaunt. She say I am the raw, and still I cannot fuck a raw. Never tell what you see, don't believe what you saw. Yes, I am the one and only baby. What the fuck you thought? My line when you need it, just make sure you don't get caught. Your nigga gon' be trippin', don't be sloppy, girl, that's law. If he asks who I am, tell him, damn, girl, that's all. She say I am the raw, and still I cannot fuck a raw. Never tell what you see. Oh, that.